The local government news roundup is proudly supported by Davidson. For 30 years, Davidson has been strengthening the local government sector by identifying and providing the people, expertise and experience that local government needs to enhance its capability, productivity and performance. Davidson is nationally recognised for its executive recruitment services and over the past four years has built a business advisory practice rapidly evolving into one of the nation's foremost and trusted local government business consultancy firms. The Davidson methodology and approach is simple. Thinking beyond now and aiming to be a valued partner with your local government, not just for the immediate project, but for the next 30 years. Speak to Justin Hanney or Seamus Scanlon to find out more or head to davidsonwp.com.au. Davidson, your future, your partner. Coming up on the Roundup today, a ceasefire motion voted down by the City of Melbourne. Councils react to electoral structure changes. A council sustainability initiative rubbished in the media. ALGA calls for the federal government to keep its funding promise. A focus on council innovations. The New South Wales Premier threatens to strip councils of their planning powers. A councillor takes her council to the Supreme Court and the council considering charging residents for dog waste bags in public areas. All of that and more coming up on The Roundup. Thanks for joining me for the Roundup today. I'm Chris Eddy, back with another curated selection of news from and about councils across Australia and beyond. And it's all brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association, the national broadcaster on all things local government, with Fast Track coming up on the 15th of March, and with support from Davidson, the nationally recognised local government recruitment and business advisory service. A motion calling for a ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war has been voted down by the City of Melbourne. The Age reports on developments at last night's council meeting, which it describes as fiery, with hundreds of people rallying outside. The vote on the motion from Councillor Jamal Hakim was tied at five votes all, with Lord Mayor Sally Cap absent. Deputy Mayor and Meeting Chair Councillor Nicholas Rees used his casting vote to defeat the motion, prompting cries of shame in the chamber and loud booing from outside. Councillor Rees said the motion had too many red flags and he feared it would inflame rather than heal tensions in the city. In the wake of last week's announcement of electoral structure changes for 39 councils in Victoria, Mount Alexandershire Council is one of the first to openly criticise the hand that it has been dealt. A move to an even number of single-member wards means the residents will elect eight councillors in October and the council's CEO is concerned it will be financially irresponsible and detrimental to governance. The Midland Express has reported the comments by Darren Fazard, who is disappointed that the insights and experience of councillors and senior officers have been disregarded. It's been suggested that the even number of councillors will likely lead to more frequent use of the mayor's casting vote.
Brimbank Council, one of the 30 moving to single-member wards this year, has welcomed the outcome of the review. It says the endorsed model is in line with the Council's formally adopted preference and is considered the most effective model for grouping communities of interest together. The Council, which is currently under observation by two municipal monitors, will move to an 11-councillor single-member ward model for the October local government elections. And Brimbank Mayor Ranka Rasik has participated in a sod turning to mark the commencement of construction of a new Costco warehouse in Ardea. The Star Weekly reported that the new warehouse is anticipated to boost the local economy and provide a range of job opportunities. The move aligns with Costco's expansion strategy, aiming to cater to the rapidly growing Western Melbourne region. Hobson's Bay City Council in Melbourne's West is facing criticism for a new initiative called Rubbish Dating, which combines speed dating with rubbish collection. The initiative was a community suggestion from the Council's Pitch Your Project program. It invites singles aged 25 to 40 to participate in the event, aimed at meeting like-minded locals while cleaning up the environment. But as Channel 7 has reported, some critics have slammed the idea as bizarre and a misuse of ratepayers' money. But it has attracted positive feedback as well for its fun approach to sustainability. Wodonga's Mayor Ron Mildren has publicly requested that the Victorian Government send a representative to the Council's upcoming health summit. The Council is advocating for a review of the Aubrey Hospital upgrade and consideration of a new hospital on a Greenfield site. The Border Mail reports that the Mayor's call came at this week's Council meeting where he emphasised the importance of federal, state and local governments working together on the issue. Lobby group Better Border Health has also urged the Victorian Health Minister, Marianne Thomas, to reconsider her decision not to attend the summit. Now let's take a few moments to recognise some council initiatives that have recently been announced, starting in the city of Casey, where waste management provider Cleanaway is testing a new curbside collection vehicle powered by converted cooking oil, a low-carbon alternative to diesel. The initiative is part of the city's commitment to zero net corporate emissions by 2030 and demonstrates the potential of the fuel in reducing greenhouse gas emissions, particularly in the heavy vehicle industry. The fuel is made from used cooking oils and fats that are collected from commercial kitchens, restaurants and shopping centres and then refined to produce the low-carbon fuel alternative. Frankston City Council is adopting an innovative approach to tackling graffiti, including doubling its graffiti team and implementing proactive patrols and removal. Previously, removal was driven by community feedback with the most offensive graffiti prioritised. From this year, the expanded team will proactively patrol high-profile locations and remove graffiti, aiming to reduce response times and discourage graffiti on council property. The council is also engaging with state government departments regarding graffiti on their infrastructure. Mooney Valley City Council has launched the One to Tree campaign to encourage tree planting on private properties in the west of Melbourne, aiming for a 30% canopy cover. The council has developed an online education campaign with informative videos about tree planting. The initiative, supported by the Metropolitan Partnerships Development Fund, aims to enhance the city's livability and environmental health. And Northern Grampians Shire Council has launched the Stall Thrive 50 Plus Healthy Ageing Hub, a health service initiative aimed at connecting residents aged 50 and above to community services, activities and events. 
The hub, funded by the Western Victorian Primary Health Network and managed in collaboration with Grampians Health and East Wimmera Health Service, offers individual support, health promotion sessions, skill-building activities and social connection events. The service is available at the Stall Library on Tuesdays and Thursdays and a similar hub will be opening in St Arnold. You can find out more about all of those initiatives from the links in the show notes, which you'll find at lgnewsroundup.com. Yet more Victoria news under our spotlight today. Maribyrnong City Council has become just the third in Australia to sign the Darlington Statement, a commitment to stand in solidarity with Australia's intersex community. Mayor Cook Lamb said signing the statement affirms the Council's commitment to hearing and advancing the needs of the intersex and wider LGBTIQA community. Ballot packs are in the mail for voters in Dandenong West and parts of Noble Park for the Greater Dandenong City Council Yarraman Ward by-election. There are 13 candidates vying to replace former Councillor and Mayor Eden Foster on the Council after she was elected to State Parliament in the Mulgrave by-election. Ballots need to be mailed or delivered to the election office by 6pm on Friday the 8th of March. And the Victorian Government has opened applications for the $2.2 million Living Libraries Infrastructure Program, offering grants between $10,000 and $200,000 to improve libraries across the state. The grants will fund facility upgrades and mobile library vans, with applications open until the 28th of March. Now, just before the National Roundup, I want to take a moment to thank you, the listener, for your support for the Roundup. We've been going for almost three complete years. Coming up in early March, we'll commence our fourth season. We're very nearly crossing the milestone of 50,000 all-time downloads, which, to be honest, I find quite mind-boggling. We have regular listeners in all states of Australia. And across the globe as well. Thank you to those who listen regularly in the United States, Canada, the UK, Singapore and many others. And thank you to our sponsors as well. The Victorian Local Governance Association has been with me on this journey since day one and I'm greatly appreciative. And thank you to Davidson who support the program. They are the nationally recognised recruitment and business advisory service for local government. And to our subscribers. You can subscribe to the Roundup to show your support and receive access to some special subscriber features from time to time including a current edition of Roundup Unfiltered where I sit down with Bronwyn Clark and Matt Deeth from the National Growth Areas Alliance to talk about the challenges being faced by growth area councils across the country. So a big thank you as we move towards season four of the Local Government News Roundup. Now on with the news. The Australian Local Government Association is urging the federal government to deliver on its pre-election promise of fair increases to financial assistance grants for local governments. ALGA President Councillor Linda Scott said many councils are under significant financial pressure due to natural disasters, jobs and skills shortages and inflation, and they can't afford to wait any longer to see the promised increases in federal funding. The association is calling for the restoration of financial assistance grants to at least 1% of Commonwealth taxation revenue and an additional one-off payment of $3 billion to address the practice of bringing forward financial assistance grants payments. 
New South Wales Premier Chris Minns has threatened to seize planning powers from councils if they fail to make genuine progress towards housing, particularly around public transport zones. Mr Minns told Sky News that until a few weeks ago, only one of 130 councils had come to the government with plans for density in its communities. This threat comes amid concerns that the state will not meet its target of 75,000 new homes in 2024, part of a broader plan to build 1.2 million new homes across Australia over the next five years. It's yet another example of state governments blaming councils for their housing issues, which some say is unfair and doesn't recognise the facts. In a new episode of Roundup Unfiltered, available to subscribers now, NGAA CEO Bronwyn Clark responds to that criticism. We, we show the data. <laughs> we show the evidence that says uh, growth areas have accommodated, you know, something like 15% of population growth in recent years, received much less than that in infrastructure funding. We look at um, the development application timelines and the completion rates. You know, there is so much happening in growth area councils. They're not the problem. I get very frustrated when um, commentators just take a broad sweep at local government overall and there is still so much development happening in all of our member councils and there is 10, 20, 30 years worth of growth to happen in some areas and, and it's happening as quickly as it ever has. Local government doesn't actually build the houses. For more on that and other growth area council challenges, check out Roundup Unfiltered in your podcast queue now. Kayama Municipal Council has been summoned to the Supreme Court by Councillor Karen Renkima Lang over a council decision last November to censure her. The censure followed comments by Councillor Renkima Lang in a radio interview after a council decision to sell the Blue Haven Bonera aged care facility. In a statement, Council CEO Jane Stroud said the use of public funds to defend the legal action is regrettable, especially given its current financial circumstances and its already excessive legal fees. Ms Stroud said she holds specific concerns about the worsening functionality of the Council when in such uncertain times and uncharted territory, what is really required is cohesive and collective effort to correct the course of the organisation. The council has already spent more than $20,000 on the complaint. It said the councillor could have chosen alternative resolution methods that would not have required the use of additional ratepayer funds. City of Sydney councillors will now be required to disclose meetings with lobbyists and property developers following new integrity measures adopted by the council. The move, initiated by Liberal councillor Lyndon Gannon, aims to bring local government transparency in line with state and federal requirements. After receiving unanimous support, the council's chief executive will now begin working on an implementation plan. You can read more on that story from the Sydney Morning Herald. On Sydney's northern beaches, you may soon have to pay for dog waste bags, which are currently provided for free. The council is considering a charging proposal to offset the annual $100,000 budget for the bags. Independent councillor Vincent De Luca has proposed installing vending machines at popular dog parks, following complaints that there are never enough bags available and for them to be provided in more locations. Some local dog owners have told the Daily Telegraph that they believe the bags should be provided by the council for free and that having to pay for them would likely lead to more people not picking up after their pets. The council is due to vote on the proposal next week. 
Another councillor has been removed from office for missing council meetings without leave. East Ward Liberal councillor Nick Jones is no longer on Lake Macquarie Council after missing three consecutive meetings due to work commitments. Despite his attendance at councillor briefings and committee meetings, the legislation mandates removal after the three absences from council meetings. Mr Jones, a former deputy mayor, says he's disappointed in himself and in the inflexible legislation. There'll be no by-election to replace him with the council continuing to operate with the remaining members until the elections in September, at which Mr Jones says he may run again. That story comes from the Newcastle Herald. The disqualification follows a similar situation in Tasmania, where King Island councillor Serena Laidler was recently dismissed for missing three consecutive meetings. She was reinstated after being the only nominee for a by-election to fill her seat. The Burnie Advocate reports this week that Councillor Laidler will propose a motion at the next council meeting calling for changes to the Local Government Act to allow attendance at council meetings via video conferencing. Staying in Tassie for a moment, two Tasmanian councils are reportedly revising their meeting policies to manage public participation and question time more effectively. An updated policy for Latrobe and Kentish councils clarifies expected behaviours, consequences of inappropriate behaviour and the council's obligation to provide a safe workplace. It provides for the chairperson to take steps to maintain order, including cutting off the speaker, adjourning the meeting and asking disruptive individuals to leave. The Advocate reports that the changes are believed to be in response to disruptions at meetings from individuals, including a former councillor, who has described it as a fear campaign to shut down questions. And for the first time, candidates in Queensland's local government elections will have to adhere to personal campaign spending and donation caps. ABC News reports that the caps were a recommendation from the Crime and Corruption Commission's Operation Belcara, which investigated complaints about the conduct of candidates during the 2016 elections. They're calculated based on the number of voters in each local government area. And while the caps have been welcomed by some as a means of levelling the playing field, Others argue they could potentially advantage incumbent candidates who are already well-known. In other news from around the country, Shoalhaven City Council has installed a virtual fence for a 12-month trial aimed at reducing animal vehicle collisions. The fence emits light and sound to deter wildlife from the road when a vehicle approaches. The trial follows a successful similar trial in Eurobedala that significantly reduced wildlife strikes. A joint investment by King Island Council, the Federal and Tasmanian Governments and Telstra has delivered a world-first high-speed capacity communications link to the island. Residents of the island will benefit from a nearly tenfold capacity boost after the launch of Australia's longest over-water microwave telecommunications link. Three men and one woman will contest a supplementary election for a vacancy on South Australia's Wattle Range Council. The postal election on the 12th of March was triggered by the resignation late last year of Moira Neagle. The Border Watch has published profiles and policy positions from the four candidates this week. And a candidate on Lord Mayor Adrian Schrinner's team for the Brisbane Council elections has been disendorsed with less than four weeks to election day. The Courier Mail reported that Brock Alexander was disendorsed by the LNP for past comments that were not previously disclosed and that do not align with the party's values. Now on the Local Government News Roundup. It's time for the International Spotlight. 
In the UK, Birmingham City Council has revealed its plans to crawl out of a deep financial black hole. The council plans to increase council tax by 21% over the next two years as part of a £300 million budget savings effort. BBC News reports that measures being taken by the bankrupt council include dimming streetlights, reducing waste collections to a fortnightly schedule and increasing burial costs. Up to 600 job losses are also anticipated. The council, often described as the largest local authority in the UK, sent shockwaves through the sector when it declared effective bankruptcy last year, followed by the installation of government-appointed independent commissioners. Grantham Town Council in Lincolnshire will be reinstated after being abolished in 1974, with elections for 22 councillors set for May. BBC News reported that the town is notable as the birthplace of former Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, whose father Alfred Roberts served as a councillor and mayor. The responsibilities of the former town council have been handled by South Kesteven District Council since 1974. The new council's responsibilities will be decided after the election, but are expected to include the town's public parks and open spaces. A council worker in England who stole nearly 80,000 email addresses has been cautioned by police. The now former worker at Stratford District Council allegedly took the email addresses to promote an unrelated business. The Stratford-upon-Avon Herald reported that the matter came to light after residents complained about unsolicited emails when they'd subscribed to a garden waste collection service. Some senior leadership developments in New Zealand. The Wiper District Council is searching for a new chief executive to replace Gary Diet, who announced his retirement after 45 years with the organisation. The council is seeking a strategic thinker and strong relationship builder to lead the organisation through its next transition phase, and it hopes to make an appointment by the end of April. Meanwhile, at Christchurch, the City Council is in the process of recruiting a new Chief Executive following the abrupt resignation of Dawn Baxendale in November for personal reasons amidst low staff morale, poor resident satisfaction and high staff turnover. The press reported this week that Mayor Phil Moyer has a preference for a local-ish candidate, implying someone familiar with New Zealand politics. Interim Chief Executive Mary Richardson has ruled out taking the job permanently. And finally today, from The Guardian this week, a story of a town in turmoil in Italy after its far-right mayor, Anna Maria Sassint, banned Muslim prayers, sparking tensions and protests. Population growth in Monfalcone, largely due to an influx of skilled foreign workers from Bangladesh, has been met with resistance by Mayor Sassint, who has reportedly been nurturing an anti-Islam agenda since 2016. The ban on prayers has had a significant impact on the Muslim community, who've been living peacefully in the town for over 20 years. The community is now appealing against the prayer ban through the Regional Administrative Court. lot to think about from the stories in today's episode. I hope you found something of value in the podcast. That's our edition of The Roundup for Wednesday the 21st of February 2024, brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association with support from Davidson. As always, you'll find the links to the stories I've referenced and a full transcript at lgnewsroundup.com. While you're there, check out the latest breaking news updates and learn how you can support The Roundup by becoming a subscriber through a small monthly contribution, which you can cancel at any time. 
Subscribers now have access to a new edition of Roundup Unfiltered, discussing the challenges of growth area councils with Bronwyn Clark and Matt Deeth from the NGAA. The Local Government News Roundup is recorded in the city of Greater Geelong, Victoria, on the land of the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. I'll have more Local Government News for you very soon. Until next time, thanks for listening and bye for now. The Local Government News Roundup is brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association. As Victorian councils go to elections later this year, the VLGA is ready to support communities and councils in good governance. A series of workshops has been designed to increase understanding of the local government sector, the work of councils and the role of a councillor. Registrations are being taken now for workshops in May on standing for local government and local women leading change. And Member councils should look out for the VLGA's 2024 Local Government Election Pre-Candidate Prospectus, available soon. Find out more about how the VLGA can support your council and community during this important time in the local government election cycle. Visit vlga.org.au.